Welcome to Stat, I'm telling you all Medical true crime stories and it gets bizarre Karen Wickham, yeah she used to work in ER And now she's sharing the knowledge, so let's get involved Ay, Funny and scary at the same time Medical mysteries, all facts, she ain't lying <laughs> So tune in to Stat if you dare Cause crazy things can happen anytime, anywhere <laughs> Yeah Hello, 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 everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to STAT, Shocking Traumas and Treatments, coming to you from beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I am your host, Karen Wickham, and I have a special guest with me today. That would be my wife, Mary. Hello, everybody out there. It's glad to have you back. Anybody who has listened to the show in the past has some experience listening to this lovely lady. Oh, well, thank you very much. I've been told that you have a very calm and relaxing voice. Must be my massage therapist voice. Oh, oh, okay. Um, How come I never get the massage therapist voice? Mm -hmm. I only get the do the dishes voice. (laughs) That's not true. Actually, she's nothing like that. Okay, so I decided to put out a bonus episode on Dr. Ulrich Klopfer. He is the abortionist that had died recently back on September 3rd, and there were 2,246 fetal remains found in containers preserved in formaldehyde in his garage. So I decided that I want to look into this further. Also, I had a request from some people on Facebook that I do so, and I thought it was a great idea because this has so many reflections and shades of Kermit Gosnell involved in this. So I thought I'd bring Mary on to have a little discussion back and forth and an opinion on what she thinks. And uh, yeah, so right off the top, what's what what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think there's so much about this that is disturbing. And, you know, unfortunately, the main person responsible for this is deceased. So we can't get answers that way. Um, exactly. It's very disturbing, obviously. You know, what, what was he keeping these for? Was he just too cheap to pay for disposal of, of medical um I don't know if you would call it waste, but I yeah. guess it's a biohazardous remains. Yeah. Um, or was he keeping them for some other reason? We don't know. We'll never know. If no one has listened to the Kermit Gosnell series, this man was a sociopath, psychopath, maniac. And I'm going to say off the top, I don't think Klotfer is as bad, but we don't know that many details just yet. But he would... He was too cheap to get rid of the remains, and he also kept little feet as trophies. So this may be the case. It could be for both reasons. So let's get started here. Here we go again, another health professional doing something atrocious. It seems that there is something new and terrible in the news involving medical professionals every day. I'm going to state from the very beginning here, and Mary, you can state your views as well, that this is not about pro-life or pro-choice. It's about bad doctors breaking their oaths and committing immoral and unethical crimes. I am reporting horrible medical practices. I'm trying to share knowledge and encourage people to advocate for themselves to get the best care possible for them and their loved ones, because we all deserve excellent care. I received a review, and you know, I I cried to you about it. Well, I didn't actually cry, but I was a little 
upset. Now, looking back, I realize that it's actually a silly reason for me to get my knickers in a knot. Was that someone said that I was a bigger monster than Kermit Gosnell because of the way that I covered the case. And I disagree with that. Thank you. You know, you live with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so right off the top, if you uh, are sensitive about this subject matter, about abortions, uh, deaths, and some really creepy coverage, and even pro-life, pro-choice, I maybe suggest that you turn this off now. Because it is going to be a touchy subject matter. But like I said, I am not here to express my beliefs, just to tell the story and maybe give some other input on how I saw things, but not pro-life, not pro-choice, not talking that. Mary, take it away. Yeah, I think the main thing here is just to focus on what happened. Why uh, do we know if he was, you know, committed, like Gosnell was responsible directly for killing people using untrained professionals in his practice, people that weren't even medical professionals giving narcotics and these type of things. And his conditions of his clinic were totally unsanitary. So as far as I know, we don't know that there's any of those kind of allegations. It's just that where did this stuff come from and why did he still have it? Exactly. And I just want to know if you're on board with me that you're not here to express your pro-life or pro-choice or whatever your beliefs are. This is yeah, no, this is, we're just reporting the facts, ma'am, so to speak. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to go through some of the things here. The investigation into the discovery of 2,246 fetal remains at the home of former abortion doctor Ulrich Klopfer came to light on September 12th. He died on September 3rd of this year, and his wife had been going through his personal property deciding what to do with it. And she went into a garage and had a hard time walking through the area because it was stacked from floor to ceiling with storage containers. And his wife opened one up and discovered fetal remains preserved in jars. They're not saying what yet, but I'm assuming formaldehyde would would be it. That would be a bit of a horrific discovery for her. She says apparently that she had no knowledge of it. So I can't imagine what she was going through having, you know, lost her husband and then finding this would be very shocking. I'm sure. I, I, I can't imagine. I, I, I think I'd flip my wig. <laughs> Honestly, that, that would be just so shocking. I don't even know if we could even try to assume how we'd, we would react, but I would think it would be just awful. And the thing is, so the question people have been asking and I thought myself is how could she not know Yeah, right. (laughs) That there were boxes floor to ceiling of fetal remains in her garage. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, some men have their man caves, their garages. That's their little domain out there. And or or she just didn't go there. I don't know. Maybe she was in willful denial, just turning her head the other way. Or maybe she just really had no clue because that was his like, you know, maybe he was like, don't go out there or that's my man cave, you know, or whatever. I'm not sure. No, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm leaning towards believing her because of how promptly she reacted to the discovery and how she, how it was reported. So contacting the authorities and. 
Yeah, I think if somehow she were involved or knew more about it, hopefully she would have left the dude. But if she were, I think that maybe she would have tried to find a way to cover it up maybe as well or that kind of thing because her sister was there as well. And wait a minute, it was her sister or his sister, I'm not sure, but there was a sister there. and her sister or sister-in-law. Yeah, yeah. And so they called or she called her lawyer – Kevin Bulger right away. And then he contacted the coroner's office in the Will County Sheriff's office. Just to back up a little bit, this was found in, um, in Illinois, in his home in Illinois, which is about 30 miles, they say from Chicago area. Okay. And he had a practice in South Bend, Indiana. So that's gets interesting as well because of the laws transporting materials across state lines all that kind of stuff so that makes this case different a bit counties different states yeah so i i could see because some people would think well why did she call her lawyer first but you know legally she probably was like what the heck do i do here like it was shocking and if she was in such a state of of i don't know what to do i could understand you want to protect yourself too right so i guess contacting her lawyer made it made sense really well no i think it was probably like the smartest thing to do because like you said her head was probably all over the place what the hell do i do there's going to be a lot of legalities involved and he's going to know how to keep his head straight and who to go to and how to report this properly i mean you find something like this you want to take the right steps right away you don't want to i i wouldn't want to like hide anything or wait too long to do something so i think you know that makes sense to me um now, also, too, this garage was apparently 15 yards away from the house. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, but still, it wasn't det- wasn't attached. Right. So, so it wasn't like she could just whip in and out, oh, I'm going to grab my car, we're going to, you know, I'm going to go out. Like, it was right in front of her face. It, in essence, it kind of was, but it was not attached to the house. So I can see that as well. Now, there is a report by CBS, too, that says that there this may not be the only property that may have remains in them. Yikes. I'm just going to read a quote uh, that I, from online from CBS2 website. It said, they, quote, learned about the remains found in his home on Wednesday, which was the 12th. CBS2 has learned investigators may pay special attention to a storage garage he owned for almost 20 years in Gary, Indiana. Located directly behind a now shuttered clinic, sources tell CBS2 police want to examine this building to see what might be inside. Elsewhere in his real estate portfolio, CBS2 learned that in 2013, when he was pulled over for speeding, he gave the address for a home in Clarkston, Michigan, near Detroit, which registers as an Irwin Klopfer. End of quote. So according to the police statement, there is no evidence that any medical procedures were conducted on the property. (laughs) Thank goodness. Maybe just preserving them. Um, Authorities, though he might have done that at his clinic and then brought them home. So wait, so these were, he didn't have a clinic, like he didn't work out of his home. I think that's what they're saying there, um, that he didn't perform abortions from his, his house. Authorities have not addressed how the fetuses were preserved or whether Klopfer had permission from the mothers to take the samples. So my question is, why would a doctor who performed abortions for 43 years keep these remains? Yeah, that's pretty mind boggling. And 
I don't know, when you started to talk about him having another place in Gary, Indiana, the first thing that popped into my head was like, is he a polygamist? Does he have another wife in, uh, in what was it? Ga- uh, no, Michigan? <laughs> oh my god don't even get me started okay that's no. that's just scary <laughs> maybe yeah because the name was Irwin Cloffer he changed his name but maybe that was to hide stuff no, okay don't, don't oh my god what are you doing to me woman <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> so who is Ulrich Cloffer he was born in Germany now, now there is a man by the name of Mark Archer who is doing a documentary on him he actually was following this guy uh, for five years, and he was about to put out his documentary called Inwood Drive. As they were in the processes do- of doing this, this news came out. So he has stopped everything and now adding this information mm-hmm. to, yeah, the, the documentary. <laughs> you know, he would go every Wednesday to his clinic, like document what he was doing, stay overnight, and leave the next, like on Thursday. So he did that for a week, every week for five years. The documentarian. Yeah. Yeah. Whose name is Mark, Mark Archer. Archer. Okay. So he knows this guy pretty well. And now I'm like, get that documentary out. Yeah. I want to see, see it. I want to see what was going on there. So like I said, he was born in Germany and he survived the bombings in World War II. And this is where Mark Archer comes in and says that he often spoke about how the war shaped how he saw people, how they treated each other. Now, I don't know how this, this, this belief goes into him being an, a doctor or an abortion doctor, but I think it maybe speaks of state of mind that from a young age, he saw the worst in people. He saw death. Yeah. Ah, yes. Cloffer was licensed as a physician and surgeon by the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation from early April 1973 until the end of July 1990. He received his medical degree from the Chicago College of Osteopathic Medicine. So he was a controversial osteopath who is frequently described as Indiana's most prolific abortion doctor. With, quote, thousands of procedures performed in multiple Indiana counties over several decades, the South Bend Tribune reported. So it is believed that the physician who died at 75 had carried out tens of thousands of abortions. And like I said, he died on September 3rd, 2019. Well, I'm not sure what to say to that because it it seems a bit confusing to me. I have a colleague who's an osteopath here in Canada at my practice. Now he's what we call a manual therapy practitioner. So it's different in the States because a lot of times uh, medical doctors in the States, my understanding would also become doctors of osteopathy and they were basic, uh, basically they practice a lot like regular doctors. So one time when I lived in Florida, I saw a medical doctor who was also an osteopath, but in Ontario and in Canada, osteopaths are not surgeons. Like they're not allowed to do any of this kind of stuff. They're generally regulated by the same scope of practice that massage would be, you know, manipulation of soft tissue of the body, um, certain orifices you can't go be- beyond, et cetera, and stuff. But it's much different in, in the U.S. and the way osteopathy is regulated there. So for sure, because I mean, right away, I was like, an osteopath did abortions. And then I'm like, reading further into it, I'm thinking, I saw that, okay, they are licensed to do these things. 
Yeah, well, he was a surgeon as well, right? Yeah. He was licensed as a surgeon up until 1980. So it makes sense because it's very different in Canada as it is in the States. So you can imagine our reaction right away. We're like, what? Yeah, there's very few in Canada, there's very few DOs, doctors of osteopathy. Most are uh, DOMTPs, which is doctor, or sorry, diploma osteopathy manual therapy practitioner. So they're manual therapy, like the PhD of body workers, if I'm like a massage therapist. Body workers? Yeah. Well, I mean, we work on... Like body? Like B-O-W... B-A-W-Y? No, not that kind of body. (laughs) (laughs) No, B-O-D-Y. Just regular body works. So... You have to see how red Mary's face is right now, because (laughs) if I even, like, go in that direction, even joking-wise, she shuts me down. That's right. There's none of that to joke about. Yes. So manual therapy practitioners. So, like, advanced manual therapy for augmentation of uh, physical ailments. Yes. So let's continue on here and talk about his practice history. So his history shows that Klopfer's practice lacked morals and ethics, to say the least. He was guilty of unqualified personnel. Like Gosnell. Ala Gosnell. Mm -hmm. uh, Failed to ensure staff were present during procedures. Incredibly unsafe. Mm -hmm. Because many people performing abortions say, oh, it's the easiest procedure in the world. It's just so simple you don't need to have anybody around i can just do it no Eh. lie it is not the easiest procedure in the world this is a surgical procedure he was failing to document that patients had received state mandated education at least 18 hours before the abortion so what that means is that he has to educate them on everything that's involved with having the abortion and give them that 18 hours to think it over. Do I really want to follow through with this? Is this the right decision for me uh, mentally, emotionally, physically? And he would not do that. So again, like Gosnell, get in, get it done, get out kind of thing, right? Cha-ching. Yes. Um, He was lacking a registry of patients, uh, also policies regarding medical abortion and a governing body to determine these policies. Again, this has to be run. It is a clinic. It has to be run like a clinic. You have to look at your policies and your procedures. Are we up to date? Is this safe? And then you have a board that goes, yes, yes, no, yes, yes. And that's how you keep yourself uh, with giving best practice. Mm -hmm. So, no, didn't have anything like that. And it gets worse. He failed to report abortions performed on a 13-year-old to authorities. That charge was later dropped after Klopfer completed a pre-trial diversion program. I don't like the sounds of that. His name is really hard to say. Klopfer. It is. It makes me think of Mark Knopfler. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I'll so, say Klopfer. So if we trip over it a bit. No, no, nothing like that. So he basically, I mean, I guess under a certain age, obviously, you know, those have to be reported because it's a minor. It's obviously someone's committed rape, right? Because statutory age is generally 16 in most states, or is it 18? That I'd have to look a little bit more into. And anybody out there who knows the answer to that, like, let us know. I I would think it's 16 or to 18. Yeah, I would think it's 16 at least. That seems so young to me now that I'm an old broad. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh. Uh, So he was found guilty of performing abortions and failing to report them on two other girls under the age of 14. So he was found guilty of five of the nine charges he faced. During the hearing, Dr. Klopfer told the story of an abortion he performed at a hospital on a 10-year-old girl who had been raped by her uncle. Jeez. 
Her relative was never prosecuted because he didn't report the abuse to the cops. And her mom and dad, who were aware of the sexual assault, refused to take any legal action against him. Against who? Kloffler or the uncle? Or both? No, they refused to take any action against the uncle. Jesus. So let's break this down. This poor little innocent child, that she's a little girl, is raped by a fucking monster. She gets pregnant. Let that sink in. At 10. At 10. That's mind-blowing. Her parents take her to have an abortion. Can a child even carry a baby at 10 years old? I mean, okay, you know what? Very dangerous. Let's just leave that. So, So she's 10, and her parents know about it. They take her to get an abortion. He fails to report it. He is the Hippocratic Oath. Mm-hmm. He is mandated. He's a mandated reporter. He is supposed to go to the police and say, I did a medical procedure on a 10-year-old girl who was raped. Yeah. We have mandatory reporting here in Ontario. Absolutely. Of abuse of a child. Or if I if I had a client who told me that they were abused by another medical professional, even if they don't tell me who it is, I have to report it. Even if they don't want me to, I'm mandated to do it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think all of us are like, hell yeah, I'm going to report this. But beyond that, beyond the moral reasons and why we would do it, we have to do it. It's law to do it. And this guy didn't do that. Why? Why wouldn't he do that? And it's the fact that the parents refused to press charges against whoever's brother that was, the mother or the father. They, I mean... She needed to be removed from this home. And what happened to her after? Did she go back home and get raped again? Was she put back in this horrific situation where she was at risk of of further um, abuse? I don't know. That's a question we don't know, right? <sighs> yeah, don't don't get you started on that one. I'm starting to sweat a little here. The, the, you rage, need to the rage is coming out. Dry, dry my fore- forehead off here. Anyway. So he was found guilty of malpractice. Yes, but do, do you know what charges? Yeah, and do you know what his response to that was? "Quote: It's a question about paperwork. It's not a question about medical malpractice or anything like that." End of quote. That's what his response to this whole situation was. I just failed to report it. What's okay. the big deal? So he basically said that he just didn't fill the paperwork. Well, that's or what he, he was too lazy to fill out the paperwork. No, I think what he's saying is it's just, yeah, I, I didn't fill out the paperwork. What's the big deal? You know, it's that's all it is. There's no malpractice here. I didn't do anything wrong. I just, well, if I did something wrong, it was just failing to do paperwork. Okay. So you, how we're, huh. so the license to his clinic, the women's pavilion. So, so Sorry, right. quick question. When was he brought up on these charges? 2015. So to, in 2015, he was found guilty on five of nine charges. Mm-hmm. Were they considered malpractice charges? Well, his clinic was shut down. Okay. So that would pretty much do it, right? Yeah. So the license to his clinic, the Williams, the Women's Pavilion in South Bend, Indiana, was revoked in 2015. And his license was suspended in, indefinitely in 2016. And, and he just died this year. So he would have yeah. been near the end of his practice at that point. Well, who knows, you know. 
there's not like there's a mandate that you have to quit being doc, quit doctoring after a certain age. People like this, I think, would just continue going on. But, you know, that's me making a, a judgment call here. But this guy doesn't have a lot of reason to be the judge well. Mm-hmm. Um, so a quote in response to this was, I've never lost a patient. No patient of mine in all the years I've been doing abortions has ever had a major complication. If I had an agenda and I went to inspect a hospital and spent two or three days there, do you think I couldn't find any errors or mistakes? End of quote. He's missing the damn point and deflecting. Mm -hmm. No one died. Thank God. And let's hope that's the case. No one was injured. Thank God. Let's hope that's the case. Right. And really, at the end of the day, if you went to the hospital, you'd find things there as well. Come on. Right. (laughs) Jesus. So the latest news about Klopfer has triggered painful memories for one woman who received an abortion from the specialist. Um, I got this off online from oxygen.com. If you want to go check it out, Uh, quote, when I heard the news, I went into shock. I was completely numb, said Serena Dykeson, a former patient of Klopfer's. I began sobbing. There was this grief that I felt, and then I was super angry. End of quote. The 43-year-old South Bend woman said that Klopfer terminated her pregnancy in the 80s, She was 13 at the time, and she too was raped by her uncle, for God's sakes. Um, And she had no idea what an abortion was. She just recalled seeing a smiling Klopfer stroll into the operating room and tell her, this won't take very long. More than 30 years later, the memory still haunts her, something that's further been exacerbated by the recent discovery on Klopfer's property. Dyson said she hopes investigators attempt to identify all the remains at the property, and if that happens, she's ready to confront the morbid possibility that her unborn child could be among the fetal remains discovered there. She said, quote, why would he want to have a trophy of my baby at his property? End of quote. Well, is that, sp- I mean, first of all, that's horrific, and I feel for this woman because she's, you know, d- d- Again, we're not going to get into the pro-choice or life, but she went through something and this is bringing up old traumatic memories. And then, oh, yeah. And then you don't know, right? What, why was he keeping them? Like, he's he's dead, so we can't ask that. But either way, it's got to be traumatizing for her. Oh, for sure. I mean, huh. okay, so where were the regulatory bodies, the governing bodies? Where were the health inspectors? What are the laws to keep women safe and who are enforcing them? Why are abortion clinics not forced to keep the same regulations as a hospital? Like in the Gosnell story, restaurants and hair salons get stricter inspections than an abortion clinic does. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Women deserve the best care possible, regardless of where they go to get treatment. And these clinics continuously fall under the radar. It just doesn't seem to matter until there's irrefutable proof that gross malpractice is going on. So just to get back to my pro-life, pro-choice thing, I'm centering in on this. Whatever choice is made in whatever service or uh, procedures done, it must be done in a safe environment. There has to be informed consent. There has to be proper personnel, every safety procedure put in place, all of it. And also the, you know, the mandatory 18 hours, that's your, your kind of cooling off period, but also the risks and benefits like a massage, 
here in Ontario, we do informed consent. So we make sure that the client understands, you know, how they'll be positioned on the table, you know, what parts are going to be worked on, what parts are going to be uncovered. And it's, it's just a natural thing they do for informed consent. So you would in also explain risks and benefits to the, to the massage procedure. Yeah. So and, it's and the same, it would be the same for this. You'd need to well, explain risks and benefits. And this is no, uh, slight on what you do okay but if a massage clinic a pain clinic which you have which is a fabulous thing and has to do it wouldn't a surgical procedure be even a hundred times more oh yeah for sure i mean there'd be legal waivers and all sorts of things yeah it's, it, this is it, i think it's just just pure insanity so that is my point regardless of what's going on this there has to be it has to be safe. It has to be properly regulated. Safeguards have to be in place and enforced. And this is not happening. And this is not happening at many abortion clinics across North America. I'm not leaving Canada out of this. Um, so, I mean, I know that there's places that are safe to go. But, I mean, let's just talk about socioeconomic factors, uh, gender, race. All these things are put into place. And a lot of these women don't get the proper care because of those elements as well which is a whole other disgusting story but okay so getting back to it so do you know whose investigation led to the discovery of clotfer's malfeasance no i don't it is an attorney by the name of sean sullivan and he was the founder and director of the life center in south bend that's right he was a pro-lifer and he gathered the evidence to shut this clinic down so what is a fanatical pro-lifer doing that the government is not well he was diligently investigating so i'm going to give him that and why am i sort of knocking on this guy and his life center well because they do all this outrageous in your face stuff uh uh, putting up signs in the face of of people of dead babies and and locking themselves to things and just all that kind of stuff. And he will take his uh, church or whatever and go to a place, make camp and do that. I think it's much more progressive and much more effective to do what he did. Investigate, investigate, investigate. And if you find something, report it instead of, but that's just, that's just me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to knock this guy for, for not, that. We're not debating about pro-love or pro-choice. Like although, I said, they are often. He, he basically found. Regardless of his beliefs, he found medical malpractice with his investigation. And that seems like the route to go. Well, that's exactly what I'm, I'm trying to say here, because often extreme pro-lifers are blind to circumstance and their rigid beliefs are driven by alt-right beliefs and religious doctrine. Again, I might get myself in trouble for saying that, but there are a lot of pro-life people out there that don't do this. They, this is their belief. That's their choice, and and they don't march around on lawns and and do these types of things and shame women and and all that kind of stuff. But that being said, I can't knock him. In fact, I congratulate him on finding the evidence that the government should have. But I do have a problem with the Pandora's box that he is starting to open, and I want to talk about this with you, Mary, because this gets very complicated. He is now pushing to have all the fetal remains identified and have them all given proper burial. Wow. Just the thought of that is like, 
the logistics of it, the logistics of it, how would you do the DNA? How would you find the people that had the abortions if he didn't keep a proper registry of patients? Um, okay, let's just say... I don't even know. Let's and just then say how, how many wounds does that open up? That's the thing. So let's say half of them are found. So you approach a 50, say, two-year-old woman who had an abortion for whatever reason, rape, um, accidental pregnancy as she was going off to college or university, um, any reason. Too too young. Too young, any reason. And now she's established herself. She went to school. She got her education. She's established herself. She has a family, maybe grandchildren, children of her own. And there's a knock on the door. Hey, guess what? We, uh, We've identified the remains of your um, aborted fetus. Now, now it needs to be buried. What does that bring up? The shame involved, which women should not feel shame for this, but the shame involved in this and then trying to explain, especially maybe she came to peace with it. Many yeah. women do. Well, I mean, again, it's your choice. Though it's a difficult choice, it's your choice. Yeah. For some people, it may not have been. It was like, that's the choice I made and so on and so forth and move forward. But I can tell you, I fully believe that there's many that this would rip open old wounds. And I think this is a morally irresponsible thing to do. You can give them proper burial. Yes, absolutely. But these were decisions that were final decisions. And I'm not even going to get into... Ah, uh, how many weeks they were, that type of thing. Yeah, that's just a whole nother. If there is anything to come out of that is to see that maybe there were some that were beyond uh, the 20 weeks. So that you can say, hey, look, this is still can going on where, right. you know, this this dangerous practice is happening. Well, like Gosnell this. was, we don't even want to talk about some of the stuff he did was well past the week's guideline and stuff. There's no evidence so far as I know that, that Cloughler performed abortions past the legally mandated. Yeah, but there is there. They, they have found some that are, that, that are looking past, okay. past the, the 20 weeks. Um, so part of that is this, if it, if you're in the second trimester, it's that much more dangerous. That's why you need to go to a hospital to get it done or be in a proper clinic to do it. Over, like, forget the moral ethical stuff. Well, I mean, it is for safety, but yeah. Okay, so what are the laws? So previous clinics had the option of sending those remains to for incineration along with other human tissues and medical waste. In 2016, a law uh, also made it a crime to take fetal remains across state lines. However, the law was on hold until the U.S. Supreme Court ruled this year. So if Klopfer transferred the remains after that ruling, he would have committed that as a misdemeanor, and that carries a maximum penalty of one year in jail. Has this happened before? Yes. In California, more than 16,000 fetuses were discovered in the 1980s in a cargo container that was repossessed from a home of former operator of a medical laboratory that received aborted fetuses for analysis. And in this case, the authorities did investigate, but no one was ever charged. Also, there are also instances where doctors have taken home body parts from human cadavers. So, um... That's called bringing your work home. 
<laughs> Sorry. I shouldn't have Maybe I shouldn't have said I, I just... What? You're not talking about the fetuses. You're talking about yeah, the doctors. Means. You know, um, six, so basically this guy had this container taken away from him because he didn't pay his bill. Okay. So so could you imagine? All right, we got this t- container and they open it up. And again, there's 16,000 in there? I mean, knowing what you're doing, can't you at some point just say, look, I can't handle this. Government, step in and help me, please. Help me send this to another so place. Was he, he was like, was it a, like a medical lab or something? Yeah, where they would do a- a- analysis after the fact. They okay. would, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, so, yeah, um, there is a, uh, a professor of law by the name of Tanya Marsh uh, from Wake Forest University in North Carolina, who has written extensively on the treatment and disposition of human remains. And she wrote historically, sorry, quote, historically, there are tons of medically preserved bodies out there. (laughs) They're in collections of individual doctors, medical schools, and museums. And while this may be shocking, it is not without precedent. Marsh uh, said some doctors have included provisions in their wills to giving their collections to medical history museums. I know you have a skeleton, um, Oh, in your office, that? and a few skulls. Mr. Bones. Well, those are not real. <laughs> what's his name? Mr. Bones. Well, that's original. Yeah, exactly. The kids named him. Oh, okay. That's all right. Um, no, I mean, you know, obviously we have models and stuff and, and those kind of things. Because I, I would have called him Boney McBoney Pants. Boney. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah, he's a guy because he's not a girl pelvis for sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you can tell the difference between male and female yeah, pelvises. Yeah. But anyway, regardless of you know certainly there are doctors and clinics and stuff out there that have cadavers and stuff like for example U of T medical school they would have cadavers that they work on right no it it totally makes sense to me and Uh, I can see college of chiropractic Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College has a cadaver course the Humber College Anatomy Lab has some so, but they're for teaching purposes, obviously, for learning and stuff like that. I just so. can't imagine someone lopping off an arm like, that's one interesting arm. I'm going to take that home with me and uh, put it in a case. You know, I'm, maybe that isn't the case. That's how I see it. But uh, ugh, I don't get it. Well, I mean, I do, like you said, for, for, for study, for training, for all that kind of stuff, it makes sense to me. And I guess this the thought of human remains is just so daunting. I mean, we're so... Uh, to it and, and and fair enough you know but we, we need to learn somehow yeah but cadavers in medical labs is i mean those are technically preserved human remains but i would donate there. my body to science only they'd open it up and go what the hell how did she live that long <laughs> <laughs> anyway so that that's it uh we're, we're this is the the where we're at this is as much information as i could gather it was hard uh gathering a lot of it out there so i wish i could have told you more and more will reveal itself. So that's that's it for today. Thank you for joining me, Mary. No problem. I'm sure you will update us in the future about what's going on. There'll be more coming out yeah. in the news about this. And, and um, I guess we'll just wait and see. It's always a pleasure to work with my dear wife. Thank you. And you as well. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining in today. And uh, remember to take care of yourself. Take care of one another. And most importantly... Love Love yourself. yourself. Peace. One love.
True crime and it gets nothing realer Sometimes it'll be the cure that'll kill ya Gotta watch out, yeah, you gotta watch your back Cause you don't wanna be another episode on stat Thank you for tuning in, learn a thing or two These medical mysteries can be unbelievable, yeah Subscribe, make sure you do that so You'll be tuned in and be ready for the next show, stat